Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 31 of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everyone is well. Now, by the time this episode goes up, I will still be in Crete searching for the fate of Atlantis, or I will be on holidays and I'll be at the beach, one or the other. But in the meantime, I have another interview coming up this episode with Matsy Klein. Now, before that, I wanted to talk about two games very quickly. One of them is Mind Trap, which I have spoken about before. It was on Indiegogo and now it is on Steam. So basically, this is an Escape the Room meets the Twilight Zone. It is a psychological thriller series where the player must explore and follow the clues as the stories unfolds around them. So the first episode is set to be released very, very soon if it hasn't been released already by the time this episode, the podcast, is released. So episode one is called Denial, and you play a man called Jack Davis, who is a man locked in a state of denial, and he finds himself in a waking nightmare. Not remembering who he is or where he is, he must uncover the truth by unlocking his own mind. However, he might not like what he finds. And as I said, this episode is set to be released very, very shortly, if it hasn't already been released. And the developer Gearwork Productions is already working on episode 2. And I hope to release that very soon as well. And that's called Turbulence. But you can find more details about this game on Steam. It has its own Steam page. And you can wishlist as well. And you can also find an interview that I did with the developer at Gearwork Productions. Where he speaks about maybe his other game that he's working on. David Slade Mysteries. But both these games look really, really good. And I'm looking forward to checking out Mind Trap. So uh, another game that uh, I want to talk about again is Brassheart. Now, I spoke a little bit about this game. It is an adventure game set in the alternative 1920s. And it's inspired by diesel punk and the classics of the adventure genre. And in this world, you play as Pola, a spunky pilot. She follows the clues that may provide a way to save her father, who was kidnapped by his own invention, a rebellious supermachine, Valkyria. Now, the developers, Hexy Studio, have released a new trailer, and they showcased this at Gamescom. And so I will include the trailer in the show notes, but in the meantime, here is a clip from the trailer. Um, is this thing on? Hi, this is your co-pilot, Pascal speaking. We will be heading out shortly, so I hope you're ready for an adventurous journey. My dearest Paula, Pascal will keep an eye on you. While you take to the skies, prepare well for your mission. A keen mind is your greatest advantage. As you make your way around the world, 
experience its wonders and its faults, unravel the secrets of my mechanisms and be brave as you follow where they lead you. I don't know where will your travels take you, what places, glorious and terrible, your path leads you through. Keep your eyes open, take it all in, be brave and curious as you traverse the world. Clever thinking will guide you out of any trouble. I don't imagine any trouble along the way. So that was a trailer for Brassheart and I am really, really looking forward to it. Uh, the graphics look really nice. It looks like Deponia and it screens look really, really detailed and I'm really intrigued by the setting and the story. So it is set to be released sometime in 2019 initially. So I will have more news when it is released. Now, this week I am joined by Matza Klein, who is working on an adventure game. It is called Hidna's Daughter, and I may have got the pronunciation wrong, but in this game you follow the journey of Zip, a young guy from Berlin who wakes up one morning without any memory of his former life, receiving a disturbing phone call from Dr. Lakeberg, a stranger who warns him against a secret organization. Who can you trust? Who wants to mislead you? And do polar bears live in the north or in the south? Various clues take you around the world and all the hints you find point to the very same place, the cold and deadly wilderness of the Antarctic. You loved the Monkey Island series back in the good old days. You were addicted to Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Echidna's Daughter is inspired by all these good old classic adventure games. It's full of weird characters, mysterious places and secret secrets. Be prepared for an exciting story and a lot of strange things you would never have expected on the continent of Antarctica. Now, a few months back I spoke about a game called The Long Dark, a game which I enjoy, but which I mentioned that I would love a similar setting, but with an adventure game. So, while the, that game was set in the Arctic, this game is set in Antarctica, which is the opposite end of the world, but it's similar conditions, and it looks really, really intriguing. So I spoke with the developer a few months ago, and he spoke about his game, and he told me some things that I didn't know about the Antarctic as well. And it was a really, really interesting interview I had with him. So here is the interview. Please enjoy. Thank you so much okay. for joining me today. I am with Matthias Klein. Hello, Matthias. How are you? Hello, Sasha. I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to hearing about the game. I'm uh, looking forward to tell you everything, and thanks for having me on your podcast. It's great. Yeah, no worries. I'm delighted to that you could join me. So, uh, so before we talk about the game, I was wondering if you could t introduce yourself very quickly and tell us what your favorite adventure games are. Okay. Uh, well, I'm an indie game developer from Germany. My name is uh, Matze Klein. I'm 37 years old. Matze is, by the way, a nickname for Matthias in German. I live in uh, the city of Osnabrück, a beautiful 160,000 people city with a beautiful medieval old town 
And in real life, I'm working as a technical drawer for architects, and I'm also a 3D designer, but I like hand-drawn 2D art much more. And okay. uh, my favorite games were uh, Monkey, the Monkey Island series, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, because of this uh, old adventure feeling and seeing places around the world. It's a bit like vacation, but more exciting. And of course, for nostalgic, nostalgic reasons, uh, mm -hmm. Sam and Max hit the road is uh, one more. And um, besides point and click adventures, I'm really into escape room games. There are some like the, um, the Submachine series by a guy named Mateusz Skutnik and uh, the Rusty Lake series by uh, Robin and Martin, two guys from the Netherlands. Uh, who, uh, say, who say their game is uh, their goal is to become the Twin Peaks of gaming, which is very interesting, and you really uh, notice this in their games. And um, both of these games are very atmospheric, surrealistic, and inspiring mystery games. And I really love the escape game, escape uh, game genre. Okay, and can these games be found online? Uh, yes, they can be found online. Uh, I think the Submachine series is even even for free. And um, the Rusty Lake series by these two, sky, two guys from Netherlands is uh, also the first episodes are for free and um, the younger episodes uh, are, you can get on uh, Steam or whatever. Okay, I look forward to checking them out then. Mm -hmm. And what, what is it about the, those games in particular, the Escape to Room games, that, that you like? It's really mostly the atmosphere, the, um, this, this surrealistic Lynchian atmosphere. That they have, and okay. um, and also this uh, pureness, this um, uncomplicated gameplay. You just have your mouse. You don't have an uh, inventory or something like that. You only click with your left click, and that's all. And um, this is uh, this makes this lets the, the story get more in the foreground. Right, so it's, it's easy to play then, it's easy to get into, and you can concentrate on the story. Yes. Okay, yeah, that sounds like right up my alley. And uh, and now the, the games you mentioned as well, LucasArts games, I've played them all, really enjoyed them all as well. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, what, what, uh, as you mentioned with the Indiana Jones, like going on vacation, but more exciting, and without the danger for ourselves as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it's funny as well because I I'd recently gone to Crete and it reminded me of uh, Indiana Jones' Fate of Atlantis. So then when I came back from Crete, I then played Fate of Atlantis again. So you know mm -hmm. it's a it was you know really nice to see some of the areas that were in there. Yeah. And um, and okay and have you played any recent adventure games apart from the Escape Room games that you mentioned? Were there any recent adventure games that you've played that you enjoyed? Uh, I I replayed uh, the dig. Okay. And uh, it was Lucas Arts also I think. Mm -hmm. uh, from the somewhere in the 90s, 90s. Uh, and I played Unforeseen Incidents. Yes. Uh, also German developers. Mm -hmm. um, with a great story. And uh, this is all I can remember. And a lot of escape room games. Uh, really okay. And I'd like to, we come to that later, uh, but I really like this, the riddles in these games, and I want, to, I want to have them in our game too. Okay, so the similar puzzles and, and riddles in, yes. in your game then, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. 
And now, so according to to your website that you came up with this game, uh, now I could be wrong pronouncing it, is it Echidna's Daughter? Echidna's Daughter? Echidna's 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 Daughter. Okay, Okay, yeah, I'll I'll let you pronounce it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that means. So you came up uh, with this in 2016, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. December 2016. Okay, yeah, and how did you get uh, inspired... uh, to you know, come up with this game. Okay, this uh, this is a bit stupid, but uh, I, I I was um, researching something. I don't remember what it was, and I went on Google, and there are these uh, Google um, these pictures, these uh, what do you call them, the doodles. Yes. These these uh, remind us of of something that happened on that day, uh, some time ago, and that's and it was the. 105th anniversary of the first South Pole expedition. And there was this drawing of a scenery in the Antarctic um, mm-hmm. by by this guy, guy called Edmondson, I, if I remember right. And there was mm-hmm. two tents and uh, a lot of ice and mountains in the background and a strong wind. And it was just a GIF animation made of five uh, images or something like that. But it's, it was so inspiring and I thought I have to make point-and-click adventure in this area, in, in the Antarctic. Because I don't remember any game or any movie or series that's this, that plays there. And uh, I think there are some. I think there are one or two movies that play in the Antarctic, but it's, that is not much. And it's, it's an unexplored, uh, unexplored area. Yes, no, ab- absolutely. Because even just back in... I believe it was April when I reviewed the game The Long Dark, which is, uh, you know, in many ways a very good game, but then it's more of a survival game. Mm. And it's set in the, well, it's in the north, in the Arctic, in the north of Canada. Mm. But I mentioned that I would just love an adventure game set in a similar location. Mm. And then I came across your game, <laughs> and yeah. I thought, this, this is perfect. Because you say it's, it's unexplored. It's an explored location. We do not many games or movies set here. And I know that uh, there is the thing, which I don't know if that was the Arctic or the Antarctic, because uh, I, for, I forget now. I always get too confused as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, but yeah. So your main, so your main inspiration for your main reason for making this game is to set the game in the Antarctic. Uh, would that yes. be correct? That okay. Correct. And uh, in the meantime, I changed the location just for a short time, to the Arctic, uh, the North Pole. Uh, but I changed it back to the Antarctic because it made much more sense for the story. And the Antarctic is, as I said, much more unexplored and is the better setting for an adventure game. And this is a whole continent made of ice. Mm-hmm. Days and nights don't last for a few hours, but for months, months of darkness. Uh, okay, the other game was called The Long Dark. This is really fitting because this... Uh, <laughs> This is just what it is. They have yeah. also have this uh, uh, aurora australis, the southern polar light, and uh, the temperatures in the East Antarctic, the coldest area there, is uh, they go down to minus 80 degrees Celsius. That's minus 112 degrees Fahrenheit. And this is just like a whole different planet, and it makes that makes it so interesting for an adventure game. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. I mean you can't live. I mean, I, I imagine in those conditions, you you die yeah. within seconds. <laughs> uh, most, yeah. most of the research um, research stations are not in the East Antarctic. The, the East Antarctic is 
the most deadly thing you can go. I think the Russians have one or two stations there, but that's it. They are used to <laughs> to, the, to the coldness a bit more than than we are, and um, most most of the uh, scientists are in the west where it's warm. Uh, or uh, in the northwest, I think. But um, our game is in the east. It's in the most deadly area. That was important for me. Okay. So to make things even more interesting, so not just yes. the safer part of the Antarctic, but the more dangerous part of the Antarctic. Yes. So, um, and what research did, did you do? Did you do any research yourself on the Antarctic? I mean, obviously, it seems that you have. Uh, you know, I'm learning now uh, between east and west. I didn't know that the east was more dangerous. But did you did you do any specific type of research in uh, into the region itself? Uh, yes, I did. I um, read a lot about um, Antarctic missions by by Russians, by by other countries. Um, the Antarctic is divided into different um, different parts. Uh, different countries own these parts and are uh, allowed to make their research there. And what is really interesting, I think it was in the beginning of the 60s, maybe 61 or something, there was a, um, they made a pact between all countries in the world that uh, the Antarctic is uh, only used for research and that they not intervene uh, in the, um, that, that they don't harm the animals that live there or something like that, you know? Right, yeah. That was, that was the first pact, international pact after the Second World War that was uh, subscribed by every country in the world. This wow. Is very interesting. Okay, that's, that's another thing I'm learning. <laughs> and uh, how, how did you go about reading, so you mentioned books as well. Um, did you watch any documentary? Are there any documentaries about I'll, it as well or anything? I watched a lot of documentaries on, on YouTube. There are a lot. And uh, I bought a book with... Uh, with, with pictures of the Antarctic, which are very inspiring for my background uh, drawings. And, right. Um, I learned about um, these uh, um, these uh, scientists from Russia that did a lot of research, research there. And um, I cannot tell you everything. This would be a spoiler. <laughs> okay, that that's fair. That's <laughs> but it's a okay. bit of a hint now. It's a bit of a hint. Okay. So so where so in your research then so again without giving any spoilers you have put some real world you know facts into the story yes. of your game then that's, well that's that was very important for me because it shouldn't be a science fiction story or just a mystery story. It should be based on real facts and that. That is very important because uh, I don't like uh, I don't like having a story in a movie or series or game that I can't believe and where I can where I say after half an hour but this can't be because I know this fact doesn't work and right. I don't, we or I and our whole team doesn't want that we all want to make this um, very realistic. Right. Yeah. That sounds. Really cool. And yeah, because I, I read myself, uh, now I don't know anywhere near as much about the Antarctic as you do now, but I read about uh, there was, I think, Robert Scott went to the Antarctic, I believe, and that's where he and several other people in his team died, you know, that they, they weren't well prepared. 
Yeah. And even an Irishman, Ernest Shackleton, oh, uh, went yeah. went as well. And I just recently read a book about, well, a book, uh, you know, a journal about uh, their journey, how they got stuck on an island and how they had to escape on a small boat and then go to, I forget the name of another island. And it was an absolutely incredible story what they had to go through and the conditions. So mm-hmm. now before we, we get to the to the story itself, uh, now you, you also mentioned that you, uh, you're you working with a few friends, is that correct? So you joined yes. together with a few friends. Yes, uh, it's a great game. We are four guys and we all know each other. And um, after I had this rough idea for the story in 2016, I started to realize the first ideas and drawings by just by just drawing them. And uh, as I said before, I'm a professional technical drawer, and my first drawings looked very edgy, very technical, mm-hmm. which didn't, which just didn't fit, and I didn't like it. And for the first two years, I've changed the story and my drawing style several times, and I've learned a lot about. Um, by by trial and error, by by just doing mistakes, and um, I had no, I had to abandon a lot of ideas, and I realized again and again that I had uh, worked on backgrounds for days for for nothing with, because I abandoned them too, and this is of course a very depressing experience, and I guess this is the point where where many game devs give up on their projects. But, right. Uh, luckily, I didn't because I still believed in the story and that I could work out a drawing style that was acceptable for this purpose. And um, at the beginning, there was only the idea to let the game play in the Antarctic, but then I built the story around that. And um, now I come to the team members. Uh, the first team member to join me was uh, Marco, a friend who is a composer and uh, therefore responsible for the music. And he will eventually do the voiceover for the main character. Okay. And uh, he recorded an album with a really successful band called Charcoal Sunset as their guitar player. And uh, last year he won a competition for writing the perfect and cheesiest uh, Christmas pop song. <laughs> it, it, it really sounds cheesy, but uh, it's meant to be that way. And so it's okay. And... Um, <laughs> And in two weeks, he's recording his first solo album where he sings and plays guitar. And and I have the honor to play the harp. So we support each other's projects. Oh, very nice. And, yeah, but I can only play it when I'm uh, when I had two or three drinks. So <laughs> I would have to do this at first. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so just have two or three drinks first. <laughs> yes, and then go to the studio. <laughs> so, sounds good okay so that's yeah. Marco who's doing the, com- the composing and you yeah. mentioned there are two other people as well yes. correct yeah uh, after a while another good friend of mine Kolya also got involved into the project um, I have been friends with both with Marco and Kolya since school so we really know each other well and uh, Kolya is very familiar with game design and uh, very practiced in storytelling he wrote for the Dark Eye and oh uh, and he ran a role-playing server for several years and developed quests and stories for that. And um, we went through my whole story again and again and made changes and put more tension and uh, structure in it. And we added more characters or changed their function and, on the other hand, killed some characters that wouldn't bring the, fo- uh, the story forward. And um, yeah, then the, the fourth guy, um, another old friend, is Sebastian. He's a programmer 
who joined the team to deal especially with uh, the technical issues and uh, special puzzle designs uh, that our engine does not initially provide. So he is our coding guy. Um, okay. But he also helps with the story. And the three of us, we are working on the fine tuning for the story right now. And um, well, I have to say, I always uh, used to think that I'm not a team player. But uh, but this uh, team works really great. And uh, because we know each other really well and uh, can be honest with each other without anyone being offended when he's criticized. And uh, so we are now a team of four and there are many advantages. Um, right, so so it helps then, you, you think that the four of you know each other and are friends as well. You think that that's certainly a, a good advantage? I don't, I don't know the other side, but I, I think, I guess so. And uh, Kolya worked in a team and um, with, with guys he didn't know that long. And he said this was always a problem that people took it personally when you mm. um, criticized their ideas or if you said, if you changed anything, um, or just made a point that they, that they didn't want. And um, so, yes, I think this is much better if you know these people. Right. Yes. So you don't have to walk on on eggshells or anything. You don't. Yes. Like, you, you know that, uh, that everyone just has the same objective, want the game and the story yeah. to be as good as possible. You you, uh, don't hold, you don't have to hold uh, things back. You can speak out whatever you think about these things and the ideas. Right. Okay. Mm. Uh, well, it sounds sounds good. So we'll get to more aspects of of uh, of the game mm. uh, very very shortly then. So. Uh, so now then, since we talked a little bit about the setting of the game, as one if you could give us uh, talk to us a little bit about the story, obviously without giving any spoilers. But mm. what is the the main plot of the game? Uh, well, <laughs> Eshidna's daughter. <laughs> I get it right, I'm sure, sometime. But <laughs> I didn't know how to pronounce it from the start. <laughs> I had to learn it myself. Uh, Eshidna's daughter. I, I think. Is, I sorry, think. Is, is is that? Greek or is that German? Oh, is that Greek? Yes, it's Greek. Okay, yeah. So, um, so it's literally it's all Greek to me. <laughs> it is Greek. It is uh, Hidna is um, known in the Greek mythology as the mother of monsters. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, because I read a little bit of a Greek mythology, and it, that's how like I, I knew I heard its name before. But yeah. Okay. And and do, and so what's the, what's the main story and plot of the of the game? If you don't mind letting us know. Uh, okay. Yes. Um, um, I can't. I can, I can reveal a few facts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, whatever you want. Whatever you you're okay. able to to reveal. We are going to have the main character uh, who is suffering amnesia, and who wants to find out about his past. Um, uh, his name is Zip. Uh, he's the protagonist, a uh, guy from Berlin. He's the, also the playable character, of course. Um, okay, he woke up one day with his uh, strong amnesia. So one of the main games, uh, the game's main goals, um, among other things, of course, will be the recapture of his past. And um, after a while, the hunt for his past unfolds uh, to um, to a mystery thriller story that extends around the globe. And um, every hint he finds on his way points to the Antarctic, which will be then, which will in the end be also a playable setting. 
Mm-hmm. And um, but we are still concerning on another alternative beginning that will put the player directly into an action scene. But um, whether we do one or the other, this wouldn't have any effect on the or any impact on the rest of the story. So whatever beginning we we uh, will choose, this uh, isn't that important. Um, okay, Zip is Zip is just a, some normal guy, an underdog maybe, with uh, whom the player should be able to identify himself as soon as possible, which, mm-hmm. of course, doesn't mean that all, all gamers are underdogs, but, uh, well, he's just he's just a normal guy, no no rich man, no poor man, he's uh, somewhere in the middle, maybe. And um, the cause of his amnesia is uh, really a great story twist, and we will hopefully surprise everyone. And um, we would like to present Zip with a dry sense of humor, which is uh, important for the feeling of the game, in contrast to the more serious plot. And um, from the very beginning, I thought about the atmosphere to be like in one of my favorite TV shows, Lost. Right, okay. And uh, you are supposed to ask yourself all the time, what is going on here? And uh, this, what is going on, will be cleared up bit by bit, and unlike Lost, there will be no more open questions in the end. <laughs> it was, so it won't be all a dream then? <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't be. They, they won't all meet in the church. <laughs> was it a dream? I did. I think I didn't understand it. Yeah, yeah I don't think anyone... I'm not sure if the writers themselves did. I mean, I loved Lost. I loved myself. it too. I loved, I loved all the characters. I watched it twice, but, but uh, okay, the end is... It's not... <laughs> Okay, you don't have all the you don't have all the all the answers in the in the in the end. That's the problem. Yeah. What about the statue at the beach? Uh, yeah. They never they never explained that, did they? I I don't think there was there was there's been a few years since I've seen it, but I I just remember being very confused throughout the whole last season. <laughs> and there were parts that I really liked, but then when it came to the end, I was thinking, right, that's that's it. Could <laughs> but. But I think in their case, you know, they they were making the story up as they went along without an, uh, the ending. You know that they, they didn't know the ending themselves. Yes. Um. So so do you do you know then the ending yourself of the game? Obviously, before you 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 know you release, or are you you know is uh are you letting the story take you to the ending, or yes. do you have the ending already set? No, the ending. I knew the ending from the beginning. That. Uh, okay. That that's that is a, the that's, most important that's thing. That's an advantage. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes, yes, I knew the ending. Not not exactly every every scene, but uh, uh, the conclusion conclusion to all the questions, of course. Right. Okay. That's, because I think that, as as I mentioned, that was uh, different to the lost writers who themselves didn't know. So. Yeah. Uh, but that, I think that's in many uh, series. Uh, yes. But um, I don't know if uh, the author of Game of Thrones knew the end from the beginning. <laughs> I hope I really hope so for tomorrow. But <laughs> yes, yes, because no, the time of recording the, the the ending of Game of Thrones is is tomorrow. But but it, I know that there's some sometimes where some writers don't know. For example, I I read that J.R.R. Tolkien didn't know where the story was going to take him. That he started writing and let the story take him where it took him, and that turned out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then the same with Stephen King when he wrote The Dark Tower. Yeah. That he didn't know the, or I think he might have known the ending, maybe not how to got there. Or he, he said he didn't know the exact ending, and he said that years ago that there was an elderly lady in her eighties 
who came up to him and said, Stephen, can you please tell me the end of The Dark Tower because I'm not sure I'll be alive by the time you release your last book. And he said, I'm really sorry, but I don't know myself. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but there's but many, many King stories where, where the end is the, the weakest point of the whole story. Sure, yes. What, yeah, what, no, about, what about it? What about this crazy spider that is so weak? And yeah, so I've, I, have, I haven't actually read it, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I have heard that that's a common criticism of Stephen King. So, yeah. but uh, so at, at least in your case, we've established that you know the ending. So, <laughs> and um, I learned from like, from other other people's mistakes. Sure, yeah, <laughs> that that sounds good. And then, um, so you mentioned that this is like a globe trotting adventure. Is it? It sounds like it's similar, you know, inspiration to maybe Jason Bourne and maybe James Bond and Indiana Jones, as I'm able to humor. Would that would that be correct, or would there, are there any other inspirations well, for this be, game? It will feel a lot of a lot like uh, Indiana Jones, I think, and uh, maybe a bit like James Bond, but not. Um... Not that much. It's more. It's really more like an adventure, like in the 80s. Um, there was this this other movie with Michael Douglas. Um, I only yes. know the German title. The, the, yes, yes, I I know exactly which one you mean, but I, I don't Ju have. Jewel from Nile. Jewel. Yeah, yeah, yes, no, I I the Jewel on the Nile, I think, and then the yes. first one. Uh, I can't remember, but yes, I I know exactly what you what you mean, but the, the name of it. Can't, yeah, it doesn't come to me at the moment. Okay, but just think, think of things like that. Um, okay. Um, okay, that's that. Sa I, I can. I can. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, do you mean to interrupt you? No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I wanted just to reveal uh, two other characters. Sure. Yeah. On my list, um, there's uh, well, we had Zip, the, the main character, of course, and um, second character, um, whose name is Dr. Lackerberg. He's a scientist with a soft spot for Greek mythology. And uh, he's also the key to Zip's past. And of course, his his uh, thing for Greek mythology is um, may have something to do with our title of the game. And okay. um, the third important character is uh, the CEO, Magnus Malström. He's an incredible rich investor and businessman from Oslo. Who has made millions or billions with the Norwegian uh, with his Norwegian oil company, and he is the CEO of Polaris, a company with a lot of secrets going on, and uh, he is uh, kind of the game's antagonist, and uh, I think I can tell that much. And uh, he's just the, the rich bad guy. Okay, yeah. Wow, is, is there anyone like that? You know, rich bad guy or, or bad guys? <laughs> uh, I, all I think, nice, right? <laughs> I think I can I can tell this because he doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm sure about that. But um, <laughs> the um, inspiration for that character was um, um, a customer in, in the last uh, architecture office where I worked, and he was a big asshole. And I, I thought you would be the antagonist in my game. That was my revenge. <laughs> he even, he even uh, looks a bit like him, but he he, he could he can never know that. <laughs> I'm gonna get. This, this really oh, I, I, I love it how you get, as you mentioned, you're, you're, you're kind of revenge, you know, people who <laughs> aren't, you know, re really nice. They're just, yeah, I'm just going to put you in the game and just make you the, the villain. <laughs> uh, do, do you still speak to him or do you still, do you know him at all? Or? 
I see him sometimes. He works. He lives in the same town. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I don't. I don't speak to him if I don't have to. <laughs> okay, well, ho hopefully you won't find out, you know, ho because hopefully you, you won't live the same life as the main character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and and then so you mentioned that he, the, you go to other different locations uh, in the game. So yes. I don't know if you can reveal what locations they are, but ha have you visited some of these locations yourself uh, in real life? No, I don't get around much. Okay. <laughs> As a game developer, you sit most of the time at your computer. Right. Yeah. So they're more sort of they're not locations based on places that you've been to. No. 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 And I can re I can reveal it, of course. Um, okay. Um, there is uh, well, there will be we will play in uh, Sierra Leone is one of the one of the um, settings. Sorry, where? I don't think I got that. In Sierra Leone. Oh, Sierra. Oh, wow. Okay. In, oh, wow. In Africa and uh, Oslo, of course. Uh -huh. Berlin, where we start. But uh, many others. Maybe Hong Kong. We don't know that exactly. Okay. But, but I would like it because I love this city. It is so mm. fascinating. And um, well, that's all. That's all I can, can tell about this. Oslo is, is sure and. Uh, Antarctic, of course, Antarctica, and Sierra Leone, and Berlin. These are the oh. places for sure. Cool, yeah, because they're, they're places as well, and particularly the Antarctic, that I know I'll never get to visit in real life, but at least through this game, I, I feel like I, you know, that I've been there. That's the closest I'll ever probably ever get to Antarctic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you can, you can um, book um, a cruise ship to the Antarctic, but you, you can't pay this. Yeah, right. I it's, think it's, yeah. it's more expensive than going to the to the Caribbean Sea. Yeah, and then, and then what you you dare, and then it's very 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 cold. And, and you wish you wish yourself back to, to Ireland or Germany. Exactly. Yes, yeah. so because I I complained about the weather in Ireland. So. <laughs> and no, because it, 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 as you mentioned, you know, it was when we were watching Get Game of Thrones. Again, no spoilers for people who haven't watched it, but you know uh, the scenes that are in Iceland, which look beautiful, look amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was watching it with, with, with my parents and I told them, God, I'd love to be there. And we were watching it in the middle of winter with the fire lighting. And my mother said, yeah, no, it's just kind of beautiful location, but I'd love to like be there, but being here to say, you know, more in the, at the same time in the sitting room, you know, just watching the characters be there yeah. and just, just us, you know, appear where it's warm. I said, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, and how, how much of the game will be in, set in the Antarctic? Uh, we don't know yet. Um, we thought okay. <laughs> we thought about uh, in the first place when I still worked alone. I wanted to start it there, mm. so there would have been a plane landing, and then we just start and end in the Antarctic. But then uh, the story got more complicated and complex, and um, then we uh, really liked having some kind of uh, scavenger hunt. Mm -hmm. Is it what you call it? Scavenger yes, scavenger hunt? treasure yeah. hunt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just around the world to see other places and um, don't have only these uh, these ice surroundings, depressing winter, <laughs> eternal winter settings. Right. So the player will have a bit of um, setting exchange. Okay. 
And then I'm, I'm looking at uh, the screenshots and they, they look and the teaser trailer as well. I saw as well, and they, they look beautiful. They look, you know, like paintings, you know, co- coming to life. So now you mentioned that you were that you're, um, you know, tech technical, uh, you, you from from your work technical drawing, mm-hmm. and how you change as well. Uh, so would you mind uh, let us know how did you get the the graphics in the game? So uh, what, what first of all, what game engine are you using for the game? Uh, we are working with uh, Visionaire Studio. Okay. And um, Visionaire Studio is um, specialized for point-and-click adventures. Okay. And uh, I'm sure you know the Delic. And uh, yes, yes. The German firm from mm-hmm. uh, Hamburg. They used that engine back in the days when they were still making um, point-and-click adventures. They don't do it anymore. That's um, a shame. It's really a shame, but it's um, it doesn't make sense for them. They don't earn any money with this. That's true as well. So. And uh, yes, Visionaire is really an editor that uh, is specially created for that genre. And you have a lot of useful tools and functions, and you can even use uh, scripting. So if you um, if you're stuck with these tools inside this uh, editor, you can still uh, script something. Okay. So you're using this this engine, and then uh, now you mentioned that you worked many times on the on the on the design of the game. Uh, so uh, is there any reason why you decided to go? Uh, first of all, how would you describe uh, how the game looks? So it's it's two D then, I imagine, right? Yes. Okay. And, 2D, yes. Okay. Yeah. And is is there it, uh, is there a particular reason why you decided to go this way? Do you, do you like these graphics yourself in games, or, or is it easier to make like this? It's um, I just I just like it more. I, I can't really tell you why why we decided this, but um, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like most of the time 3D. If you really want to use 3D, you it really has to be good to be good, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It looks often it looks cheap when you try right. to work 3D, or you really have to be good to make it look uh, that way. I use uh, 3D models sometimes um, to build um, to build a building and uh, put a camera to create different angles, camera angles, and then I use this as inspiration to create then the, the real drawing, the real background. Just to okay. have it just to have it realistic. Okay, yeah, that's okay, that sounds interesting. And uh, and okay, would you recommend for other developers to do to do it this way? So this do you think is this um, you know is this more or less easy or is it challenging? Is it time consuming? Uh, working with 3D constructions. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes. I think it only makes sense if you if you're already keen in doing this. If you have to learn it at first, I, I wouldn't recommend this. No, it's too much time. Right. To learn this, but I'm already drawing 3D buildings uh, in my real job, so this is <laughs> no change for me. It's no more work for me. Okay, so it depends on your own background, then I suppose yeah, as well. Doing it all the so. time, and it's it's not that different from me. Okay. And then you mentioned that you had a few people from your other team. So 
uh, Sebastian came in to do the mm-hmm. most of the programming uh, as well. So is he doing most of the programming then for, for the game? Um, not really, not yet. Because okay. we, haven't, we haven't gotten to the point where we really have to script something. If we get to that point, then uh, I'm uh, I'm finished with my uh, abilities to program it myself. Um, until now, I have programmed everything myself in Visionaire. Okay. Because it is really a beginner's tool and it's really easy to create uh, to create with this tool. And um, when I draw my backgrounds and put different elements, uh, it's hard to explain different. I don't uh, draw one background. I draw different elements. Um, there's the background, then there's a house, and in front of that house is some trees. And these um, drawings have to be uh, separate. Okay. Separate layers, and uh, I have to put these together, and um, I have to figure out if this works in uh, Visionaire and how this looks. And um, just to test it, and when I when I'm done, I have already programmed the whole scene, so there's no more work for Sebastian. Okay. <laughs> which I, I, I didn't know that in the in the beginning, but uh, when I did the first ready scene and um, programmed this all, all work was done, and I said sorry, I already did all, all the work without wanting it. And um, so, but he's a real big help, like Kolya, in uh, with a with a story. So it's always the three of us meeting in Skype and um, creating the story and um, yes, okay. talking about it and having new ideas. Sure, yeah. So they're mainly with the, with the story. And then I see on the website that uh, you mentioned as well, Koijia, uh, sorry, I can't get his name, <laughs> um, that he, he also is in charge of the, the, the character design and the the game, the game design and puzzle yes. design. So, so is he helping to draw the characters, or when you say character design, do you mean like coming up with their personalities, or? No, it's only their personality. Um, the drawing. Okay. I, I drew all the drawing, but okay, um, yeah. Sometimes I draw um, storyboards. Okay. Or, or more or less, we draw them together. We are connected over Skype, and then I'm. Um, they can see my screen, and I'm. We talk about how should this look, uh, should this scene look, and then I start to draw, and then they say no, not that way. Back uh, here, insert this, insert this, insert that, and um, that's how the whole background uh, is built bit by bit. And, okay. Um, yes, we do these storyboards together, and I draw them, and I draw the characters, but the um, the character. Um, the, Character drawing, not in a drawing way, but in a describing way. Mm-hmm. That was complicated. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. Uh, no, this is this is uh, Kolya's part. Yes. Okay. And, so uh, he describes the characters then. Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, and he al- he always says, and this is really hurtful for me, but he always says, uh, "Kill your darlings." <laughs> and, uh, that, that means that uh, the story I had in my head from the beginning and the characters that he says uh, they are useful, kill them, uh, they don't have a place in that game, then I have to I have to believe him because he uh, knows what he's talking about. And then I say, okay, that character's okay, so gone. Okay. <laughs> and uh, 
for for the next game projects in future, I think I can still uh, wake them up again and uh, use them in in other games if I really can't uh, separate from them. Sure. Yeah. No. That's. Yeah, that, that's great that if characters who don't make it in this game or locations or whatever, you can then maybe use them in, the, in another game. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, okay, so you mentioned that you meet on Skype. Do you meet mostly on Skype or do you ever meet together in person? No, we meet in person, uh, mm. but um, we live in three different cities. Um, Colin and I, we are not that far away, 60 kilometers, and um, Sebastian is uh, about maybe 120 kilometers away. And um, so the best thing is to meet in the middle uh, <laughs> at Kolya's place because he's really in the middle of us too. And uh, yes, we, we we know each other and we have met in person before and uh, we had uh, we already drank together 20 years ago. So yes, we meet in person also. Oh, that, oh, that sounds good. That probably helps as well a little bit just to get together and just to run ideas by each other. Uh, in in person, you know, but it went to, to technical difficulties. A Skype can <laughs> can yeah. provide. <laughs> and okay, and now you mentioned as well that you come from a really uh, really nice uh, uh, hometown. Again, I probably uh, butcher it. Os- Osnabrück. Osnabrück. Um, Osnabrück. Yeah. Have you ever considered making a game or writing a story set in your hometown? I really thought about this. I really did. That's because there was a game that is called that was released this year called Trooperbrook. Again, I'm butchering yes, the language, but yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, stop, stop motion, stop motion game. Yes, it looks beautiful. I still yeah. have to play it, but it looks amazing. So yeah, yeah, it's a very um, famous uh, studio who did this. They normally um, it's called Bild und Bild und Tonfabrik, uh, which means uh, picture and uh, sound um, industry maybe and um, normally they do a tv show with a host uh, jan Wilmermann. have you ever heard that name i'm not sure i have but jan Wilmermann. So, no i don't think i have but he's a satirical talk show host and show host and um, this is his uh, his um, company who did this game okay so this is not an unknown company, so um, everyone knows them. Okay. And so they, they've they've made a game, you know, based on a you know small place in in Germany. Because yes. I I never I never heard of that place before the game, but <laughs> I don't okay, think this this place really exists. Oh, that's why. <laughs> it's just it's, it's it already sounds like fake German. <laughs> well, that shows how much I know. <laughs> uh, so, I, I think it's somewhere in the in the south. I think South Germany settled there, and uh, and uh, I think it plays in the sixties. But that's all I know about it. Yeah, yeah, I know. The 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 reviewer for the podcast, uh, Thomas Bex, uh, he also speaks German. He's from the Netherlands, but he reviewed it and he he really enjoyed it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so would you, would you be t- tempted to maybe make a a sequel to Trooper Brook called Osnabrück? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds similar, yes. Yeah. So, oh well, may- maybe in the future. Yeah. And um, and then now you talked a little bit about the puzzles. Um, 
again, without I know you're still working on the design of the game and all, but are you able to tell us more or less some of the puzzles that we can expect in the game or the types of puzzles that we yeah. can expect in the game? Yes. Um, of course, the focus lies on the story. So the mm -hmm. puzzles uh, play a minor role in general. Um, but the puzzles that are included are mostly inventory puzzles and, uh, as I mentioned before, these escape room elements. Mm -hmm. um, dialogues play also a very important role, but they are not part of puzzles. Dialogues are part of the storytelling, and mm -hmm. uh, we, want, uh, we don't want you to um, start the same conversation over and over again to look for the right answer to solve the puzzle. I always hated that in, in adventures. I yes, never yes. Found the right answer, and uh, you always had to start the same conversation for 20, 25 times to find out the real, to solve the puzzle. Yes, no, I, I know exactly what, what you mean. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. Okay. Story, Storytelling, story by the way, is uh, the big advantage you have when you create a point and click adventure. Mm -hmm. The focus is always on the story in these games, and you, you cannot tell a good story in a jump and run or an eagle shooter. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what's unusual in our game is uh, that um, tension and time pressure will be noticeable, for example, through the use of music and sound effects. So we speed up the story at uh, some points to create this tension. Okay, and are there uh, time limits in the game itself? So, time limits to, to complete certain action? Uh, we don't know yet. I think we don't want to do that. We talked about it, but um, mm. this doesn't feel right. We thought about uh, doing, um, making the, um, having the player, giving the player the chance to have several chances to solve a puzzle. So, he would. You would eventually die, but then you are um, thrown back to the time before and have another chance. Right, but, yeah. But that's, uh, I think many people won't like that. And I don't know myself if I like it yet. And we have to taste, we have to test this if it works or if it doesn't work. Right, yeah, because I know, I know that's a big part of, you know, ga game development now is to test to see what works yeah. and what yeah. doesn't. and. <laughs> And as uh, as Kashia says, kill your darlings. <laughs> and we also thought about uh, different endings and uh, having the player, letting the player uh, do decisions that lead to different endings. Okay, so to have it like a, a non-linear game, like with different, uh, you know, different choices you make throughout the game. Yes. Okay. I would. Would that be more difficult to to design for you know yeah. for the game? Of Take more time, would, yes. This would be more work, and uh, we wouldn't. This, um, we would make it as as um, easy as possible. Right. <laughs> right, because it's it's already different enough to uh, difficult enough to uh, program to create your first game. This is the first game for all of us, and. Uh, so this would make it even more complicated. So we want to maybe this de decision making is just in a in a small manner. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's since it's your first game to try and you know make it as good as possible and to <laughs> uh, and and yeah. Okay. 
Uh, because I can just imagine, you know, because I've never made a game, but I can just imagine, like, the games that, you know, Telltale made or as uh, mm. Dave Gilbert made with Unavowed, mm. that how complex they must be to make with all these different yes. elements that you have to think of. Yes, in, in Fed of Atlantis, you have, uh, at one as well. point, three, yes. three possibilities to go, and you don't even know it. You just give uh, <laughs> Sophia one answer, the answer one, two or three, and then the whole game changes. Yes, yes. I remember the first time I played it, I thought, well, you can go back and replay it. That, you know, that's, that was ingenious. <laughs> and you, you didn't even notice, you know, the first time. So. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. And, um, and then you, you mentioned that Marco is doing the composing and the voice acting. Yes. So first, what, what type of music do you know? So is he working on the music now as you're making the game, or is he going to wait... Till the game is is more you know finished and then he adds the music or how is he working on the music um, with you guys? Uh, he made uh, two two tracks, one main track that I already used, but I didn't um, use it in the trailer. The second track I used in the trailer is what you heard. Okay, that sounds so nice. This this <laughs> this tense uh, tense. Uh, Oh, sorry, I can't describe it in, in English. Um, yeah, that no, sounds very, very. Ten- uh, I'll, I'll put it into the, the podcast, uh, you know, the trailer as well. Ah, super. So, um, okay, it's it's a bit, it's mystery, mystery sound a bit. Well, he, know, right. he knows he knows the plot, and he just uh, started, and um, but that's um, all he did till now because. Um, we first want, want to finish um, the chapters. Oh, I have to come to that, to different chapters. And uh, then he, when everything is done, he should do the music. I think this works better for him to know right. every, every single uh, thing that happens in this scene. Right. Okay. And do you plan on working you know, closely with him on the music or do you plan on just letting him go to a room somewhere and <laughs> letting him compose? <laughs> Uh, until now, he, he makes a good job just sitting alone in his room. <laughs> and uh, he, he helped me with some, I uh, made some game game jam games before. Okay. Uh, you can find them on Ichio. And uh, I always asked him, I called him and said, Marco, uh, I have to finish the game until tomorrow. Can you please? I need a soundtrack. Can you do that? And he made it in a few hours and it sounds great. Okay. So he's uh, uh, also spontaneous. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that, that, that you need, especially for a composer, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, and you mentioned he's going to do the voice acting as well as the main character. So Yes, uh, yes uh, I think he has a great voice. And uh, uh, his voice always reminds me of um, Bill Murray. I don't know why. And uh, <laughs> that's how... In the first place, I thought about Zip, the main character, acting a bit like Bill Murray because I thought if he has his voice, <laughs> if he always has his voice, he can also act like Bill Murray. Okay, that 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 that's always good, you know. To build, I think everybody must love Bill Murray. So. <laughs> and the thing is about Bill Murray is just um, as I as I said, we want a serious plot in the game. It is a serious plot, and um, when you see Bill Murray in a movie. He always, he never takes the plot seriously. Bill Murray always is outside the plot of his movies. Right. He's never afraid. In Ghostbusters, he, 
he just rushes into the room because he's he just doesn't care what happens. And this is all, in all of his movies, he, he just seems out of the story in some kind. <laughs> I really like right. this. Right, yeah, okay. And and has Marco then uh, done any other voice acting before, or is this his first game? Oh, this is his first game. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, as I told, in, in two weeks he's recording his album and he's singing on his album, so I think if he can that. if he can sing, then he can talk. <laughs> exactly, he's used to to recording anyway. So yeah. and he played a lot of uh, theater at school back in the days. So okay, so he has some experience. Yes. <laughs> and are are you making the game in in English or in German first? So is he going to do the voice acting in English or in German? Um, I thought about doing it in English at first because maybe we. If we went if we went out of time, we would just do it in only do it in English. And okay. If we, have, if we have more time, we would do it in German and uh, maybe even in French. But I don't know. There's many friends who um, said they would do a voiceover. I have about ten or fifteen guys and and uh, who already said they would do that and. Um, I cannot expect from all of them to talk in different languages. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool if they could, but <laughs> so uh, we don't. We're not at that point. It's the last thing you do, I think, in a game to do the voiceover. Yes, yes. But um, but, but he Marco talks English very good, so this this wouldn't be a problem for him and. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, the, the the main character, I believe, is is German, right? Zip. He's he's German. Yes. So that that that, yeah. could, that could work then. And so then yeah, the well, yeah, in, go ahead. Marco actually lives in Berlin. And um, when we go out there, when we go through the through the pubs, and uh, you know, in Berlin you talk a lot of English. So it's not unusual for a guy living in Berlin talking English. So he's he's used to it then. <laughs> yes. Okay. And, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Uh, it would. It would make sense in inside the game, you know, that uh, a guy who lives in Berlin talks English. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then the uh, the other for the other characters, the other you said you had some some friends who were into the voice acting as well. Mm -hmm. Are are they all German as well, or do they come from different countries? No, they are all German. Mm -hmm. uh, so that may be a problem. I already told them they would have also would have to talk in English, and um, well, that's their problem. <laughs> then you, you get there when when you get there. Yes, yes, exactly. So, oh, there, there are different solutions anyway. So, <laughs> and uh, and okay, and then maybe maybe we, maybe we find a publisher who, who wants to make the voiceover. Who says he has guys to make this voiceover for us? But um, yeah, this this would mean that we have to sell the game for a higher price, and we normally we, we do, wouldn't want that. Right. You don't want to get rich. You can't get rich. With the point of <laughs> We just want to tell a good story, and uh, I think we're just on the good way to do that. And uh, it's not about money in this right just getting the game out there and telling a good story yes and then so you said you had 
the the, the ending and the plot, well, the, the ending thought of. When do you plan on releasing this game? Do you have a tentative release date? Yes, we... Um, it's more about... I What I said, I said... Uh, 2021, mm-hmm. and um, this may work. Okay, yeah, because I, <laughs> I, I know that I've heard that uh, making adventure games takes a long time. So. Yes. but I'm already uh, two and a half years on it, and uh, 2021 is another two or two and a half years. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it it sounds uh, kind of far away, but when you yes. put it like that, you know, next year will be 2020, which is just mm. terrifying. Yes. <laughs> no, when you release. This game, uh, do you would you like to to make a, now? We know this is still very very early days that you're still concentrating on this game, mm. but say, say you know this game is a is a big success a big hit, which I hope it will be. Uh, do you would you like to make a sequel or would you like to work on something different? Do you have any other ideas for any other stories? Um, I don't think a sequel would make sense in that story. Um, because all the things you get to know and that lead to this end that we have um, in mind, this I think this wouldn't work twice. Okay. So you don't. Maybe you don't pl- maybe, maybe it's possible, but uh, um, I don't know yet. Okay. I don't, well, I don't it- think it would work. Okay. Well, as I said, it's, you're still very early days in this game, so. Yes. Um, but I suppose that's good if this would have like a, a good ending as well, because that's very rare these days, you know, with movies and books. Like everything is a series and cliffhangers and yeah. and and yeah. And so then, in terms of of, of funding, do you are you uh, are you funding the game entirely yourselves? Um, yes, um, more or less. I'm. I just created a Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Uh, for supporters, uh, where they can donate one or more dollar, one or uh, one dollar a month or more. Okay. And, uh, I don't know if everyone is um, familiar with the Patreon Patreon page, um, but um, you can donate and you c- can get a reward. Uh, in my case, this is a personalized hand-drawn avatar that you get. Okay. And, um, you will see special content from behind the scenes and stuff like that. And uh, Patreon is a, is a great way to do this. It's it's just like Kickstarter, but in a regular basis. Right. Yeah. So Kickstarter is a once-off, but this is you know regular uh, pay- payment. Then I mean not not as much as you mentioned one dollar, and you can get these extras as well, or up to fifteen dollars, I believe. Right. Yeah. Uh, fifteen. Uh, you get this reward at fifteen dollars. Yes. Okay. Because, uh, because otherwise they wouldn't work on the game anymore. Only drawing uh, personalized <laughs> avatars all the time. Right, yeah, because no, uh, yeah, uh, well, I'll include a link to to that as well. And do you, do you plan on uh, doing a Kickstarter in the future, or looking for a publisher when you're closer to finishing the game, or do you plan on continuing funding the game yourselves as much as possible? Um, we don't know this yet. <laughs> it's okay. too early. <laughs> uh, too early. That's fair. <laughs> I, I was contacted by a publisher last year, and. Uh, um, but it was just too early, I think. And um, now um, I was working on a demo, that a demo demo version, mm-hmm. 
uh, to show him, but um, I wanted to uh, to uh, finish it till January, but I didn't um, manage it. And uh, now I have to see if there's still interest. And we don't know ourselves if we want to do it uh, indie or if we want to have publisher. It's hard to say. It's uh, the focus is right now on the story and on the right having, having a game and uh, not <laughs> selling a game that we don't have yet. You know? Exactly, so, so, something something to show then, or something yes. you know, working on the story, working the yes. game itself. <laughs> yes, it should be more important then. I, I already did uh, a lot of Twitter um, posts and uh, marketing on Twitter before I even had the first scene done. So, you know. And, yes, uh, okay. But I think this, but on the other hand, I think this is not unusual. I think many do this from the first drawing they, they make, they already show it on Twitter, and so the the fans and um, supporters can watch a game being made from the very beginning, which is really interesting. Yes, yes. So you build up an audience then as well, and people can see right from the beginning how yes. the game is made, which, which is really interesting. Yeah. And I must say the, the Twitter community of, of uh, game developers is, is really a great community. It's yes. uh, from around the world. There's a lot from, from uh, Canada, from from everywhere, Italy, Turkey, Russia, all around Europe. There's really no country where they don't make games. <laughs> yes, even Ireland, there, there is a few games. Even Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> as small as we are, <laughs> we we have, yes, because I spoke to the guys at Spooky Doorway, who were really nice as well, So, uh, who made the Dark Side Detective. And, uh, you know, they're not as well. Still haven't played this, but it looks really great. And uh, yes, it's very, very funny. Really yeah. funny. Really yeah. good as well. Know, as, yeah. as well as being funny, you know, the great characters as well, and great stories and great writing. So yeah, I read about this colleague of the of the main detective, this uh, this policeman <laughs> who must be very funny. But uh, still looking yes, forward. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh no, there because he's the. The, the slightly less intelligent person and the main detective and <laughs> okay. he's you know he, he's or very kind of naive as well but he's also a kind of like a lovable character as well yeah. you know when they when they investigate uh, the you know the cases that the main character said oh I've heard that there is a mysterious thing going on and uh, the, 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 his friend his partner says oh no nothing nothing bad nothing mysterious just a spooky train down in the <laughs> in the platform <laughs> and you know things like that writing like that but the writing is really really clever so <laughs> but um but anyway so in your game then so you're on you're on social media you're on twitter you said yes and uh, you're on instagram as well and on instagram and um you're not on facebook because uh, i don't like facebook and i don't okay. understand and i don't understand facebook i don't know Okay. <laughs> I don't want this. It's, I want. I don't want to support Facebook anymore. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair uh, that's as well. <laughs> and and then for now, I include the links then as well. But for people who don't uh, have social media, do you have any other way that they can find out about progress of the game? So, a newsletter or anything? Uh, yes, we have a newsletter. Possibility to to subscribe for our newsletter on the website. 
echidnasdaughter.com. This is not a clever title, title to uh, mention in the podcast, I think. I'll, I'll include the links in the in the show notes as well. Yeah. So. But, but if, you, if you Google Greek mythology, mother of monsters, then you will know how to write uh, Echidna. I'll, I'll check for that as well. Okay. And, uh, and okay, I think we've, so we have, to, you know, the the Patreon then as well. I think we've we've covered everything in in uh, in the game. So um, okay, so to uh, f- finish off then, so uh, I'll let you. Is there anything else that you would like to say uh, before we finish to anybody listening or to I don't know other developers or people who might buy the game or or anyone? Have patience. <laughs> so it it won't be released tomorrow by the time this episode it won't goes out. Be- Maybe the day after tomorrow, but not tomorrow. Tomorrow is too early. <laughs> so tomorrow is too early, but maybe the day after tomorrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. You well, say, you can say that every day, and it's always exactly may, may always be true. Exactly. Well, I'm really looking looking forward to it. And as we mentioned, Thanks. there are m- multiple places we can find our progress on on the game. And I will, if hopefully the podcast will still be going then. Uh, <laughs> and so I'll definitely mention mention the game. Maybe have you back on. As well, we have a newsletter. We have Patreon, which people can check out if they if they want to support you. And we have social media as well, where people can can find you. So, well, I'm really looking forward to it, uh, Matty. I cannot wait to uh, to play this game. As mentioned, the, the setting itself is very unique. Thank you very and, much. Thank you for your support. No worries at all, and uh, I look forward to hearing more about it. So, the very best of luck with it. Yeah, you, you will. We will keep you updated. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you very much, Dan Matthias. Thank you. Uh, okay. Thanks okay. for having me again on the podcast. It's really uh, a great thing you do. You support oh. all these uh, little indie gamers, uh, game developers, and that's a great thing for us to become known in the world. So that was my interview with Matze Klein. I hope you enjoyed it. And a huge thank you to Matze for speaking with me. And I'm really looking forward to his game, Echidna's Daughter. I cannot wait. It looks really, really great. And the story looks really intriguing as well. So I, I'm i looking forward to finding out more. And as he mentioned, you can too. You can find out more about the game. And you can, fi- you can sign up to their newsletter as well. So... Uh, next week, I will be joined by Laura Cress from AdventureGamers.com, who will hopefully be uh, another regular member of the Adventure Games podcast. I had a great, great time speaking to her. She spoke about, well, her favorite adventure games. She spoke about her time at Gamescom, and she spoke about some of the many, many adventure games that she tried at Gamescom and she also talks about Telling Lies, the latest game from the developer of her story. So that will be uploaded next week. So until everyone, have a, until then, rather, have a great weekend and a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening, as always. Bye. <laughs>
wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AdventGamePod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you